when Pastor Mike called me yesterday and said, Tyler, I need you to, I need you to pinch hit. I said, okay, well, I've um, got this thing I've been thinking about, and it fits the misconception series, and I think I'm going to roll with it, but I need a video, and I start digging around on the internet for video that, that's appropriate and all that kind of stuff that might help me make a point that has to do with feet. And I went, huh, there's a national day that people wear no shoes. There's a national bare. It's a thing. If you want to put it on your calendar, Tuesday, June the 1st, 2021 is National Barefoot Day. I'm probably not going to do it, but just if y'all wanted to. Um, what amazed me about that video, though, was as the dog jumped on the bed and you know, laid down between the lady's feet, um, she'd been barefoot all day long, as clean as her feet were. I wear Crocs, and I look like I got Kroger feet. Y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what Kroger feet are? Y'all seen a little two-year-old youngin running around in the grocery store, and you know they picked their foot up, and it's the same color as this carpet, right? Um, and I'm not picking on that kid, because I promise you, if they let me go in the grocery store regularly without shoes on, I'd look like that kid right now, because I am that kid. But anyway, this week, again, I was, Pastor Mike called me and said, yeah, I, I, need you, I need you to pinch hit. And it changed my day significantly. I had a meeting yesterday morning, and after the meeting, we had planned on, uh, the, the boys and I had planned on going to the range and going shooting. And uh, I wanted to honor that, and, but I, my Saturday afternoon changed a lot because I had to get ready for this. Um, <clears throat> so we went, and, and we went all the way to Richmond Hill, went and did our thing, came home, and we're unloading the truck and getting stuff put up. And I'm not going to tell you a name, but one of the boys took his boots off. And I said, dude, you got to go put those in your room right now because, whoo, you've been wearing boots all day. And, but that's feet, right? I mean, not everybody has stinky feet. I'm not, you know, but feet are just those things. We walk on them, they sweat, and they're just feet. But as Interesting as our feet are, first century feet were different. First century feet were open-toed shoes. You know, there's, we have flip-flops and Crocs and, you know, sandals or whatever. But those, those, those shoes that some people wear, like Birkenstock, open-toed, sandal, flip-floppy thing, they call them Jesus shoes for a reason. Because they're shoes like Jesus would have worn. And people walk with those and, and you get dirt in your feet. And you... They didn't wear socks and things like that. And anybody who wears socks with sandals, I guess that's a thing. But um, anyway, first century feet were different. We, we, we have access to running water and showers every day. We've, we, the church has been places that, you know, I've never been to Kenya. I'm looking forward to one day getting a go. But I imagine the, the situation in Kenya is a little bit different than ours. It's probably more akin to what, the church, the early church was dealt with as far as shoes. But dirt roads, dirt trails they walked that were shared with livestock, dirt floors in their homes, feet were dirty. Feet are involved in, in part of the message today. We're going to spend some time in John chapter 13. I'll explain a little bit more, uh, but first I want to sh- remind you guys what Pastor Mike's message was last week. It was mis, uh, excuse me, crippling misconception. Zero one. He titled it "My Bad." 
And the point he gave us was that personal weakness does not disqualify us from fulfillment in life. We used Peter as an example. He denied Jesus. And the resurrected Jesus comes to Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? He, lo- he used agape. Do you agape love me? And Peter responded, I phileo love you. The godly love, the brotherly love. And they go back and forth with this. And then Jesus changes the last time he says it. He says, do you phileo love me? He stepped to where Peter was, bridged the connection, and worked with what Peter had. This is kind of similar this week. We're going to see a misconception that when we offer what we have to Jesus, Jesus takes it and works with it. So I titled the message, Once I Get Cleaned Up, and the point is you don't have to get cleaned up before getting involved in your faith walk. I'm not saying that you never get cleaned up once you get involved in your faith walk. The, the things you're doing when you come to Christ are the things you're doing when you're a mature believer. I'm not saying that in the slightest. But what I'm saying is, who's heard somebody say it? I'll come to church when I get my act together, when I get my stuff together. Who may have said it themselves at, at one point in time? I'll come to church. I'll, I'll get involved in that when I get, get my stuff together. Somebody who's been in church for a little while, but they're you know, and and they're they're it's authentic, it's real, but they're they're chugging along, you know, they're they're not making strides yet, and ah, you know, I really need to get involved in a small group. That's a that's a good idea for me to volunteer, but I'm not I'm not quite there yet. I, I need I've got some stuff I got to work out before I can get involved in that. That's the misconception we're going to deal with today, and what we're going to actually see is the opposite. That when we get involved with our faith walk, that Jesus can take our commitment, take what we authentically give him, and he'll do the cleaning up. little background on scripture. This is right before the Passover. Uh, Jesus and the disciples had gone to Bethany. It's a couple miles away from Jerusalem. They're six days out from the Passover festival. And then the next day they went into Jerusalem. And Jesus is greeted into Jerusalem, the triumphant entry. There's palm branches and crowds and cheering and all that kind of stuff. And, and the disciples are thinking he's, he's entering his kingdom as, his, as the king. And then a few short days later, he's betrayed and ultimately crucified. They didn't see what they thought they were going to see. And this, this passage that we're going to look at today, it's what we commonly call the Last Supper. It's where we get our communion tradition from. John didn't write as much in, in his gospel as some of the other gospel writers did about, about communion, about the, the, the liturgy that Jesus used in that, in that setting. But this is the last time Jesus would sit in, in close fellowship. This is, a, this, is a, this is not dinner at Olive Garden. This is dinner at home. This is dinner with friends. This is dinner close and we're dealing with stuff there's no more hateful jews outside beating up jesus asking him questions it's just him and and those guys he's spent the last three years showing people 
what he came to earth to do. We pick up the story in John chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. That hour, what I, I just said, that, that his, um, his, what the, the last three years he'd spent teaching and, and showing the example he gave his followers and, and us to follow was drawing to an end. His death and resurrection he knew was coming was imminent. It, there, it was coming quickly. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That love example that I just, the, the, the example of Jesus' life, the example is love. And, and John wrote there that he loved them to the end. That word, the end, what John is communicating there can be taken two ways. It can be taken to the ends of extremes. He, his love was ultimate, it was great, it was huge, it was beyond words that my simple vocabulary can really describe. And it was to the terminal point of his life. It was on display as he hung on the cross. Jesus' love was the theme of his life. And it's part of the greatest commandments that he left us. We keep going. The evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already tempted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. That temptation, we'll see, goes further than just temptation. Jesus was tempted by Satan as well. We, we know that. But the, where Judas's heart was... In this temptation, causes him to make a very grave mistake. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. What he knew meant that there's no fool in Jesus. Judas had those around him fooled. His friends, the, his peers, they were fooled. Jesus was not fooled, though. He knew exactly what was going on, and he knew who he was. We keep reading, it says, and that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from the Father and was returning to the Father. This is the King of Kings. This is the Lord of hosts. This is Jesus Christ. He knows beyond a shadow of a doubt who he is. And he's washing feet. He's washing dirty, dirty feet. He's washing feet when he knew what was going to happen of the man who would betray him. This, the king is displaying that love again that he's not above service. He's not above the menial things. The, the difficult, the low things that, who wants to wash feet? But Jesus is willing to do it. He's given us an example. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped the towel around his waist. After that, he poured water in a basin, 
and began to wash his disciples' feet. Now we get to the actual act. The, the, the Jewish tradition was that, that a Jewish slave couldn't even do that. A Jewish slave couldn't wash feet. They'd let a Gentile slave wash feet, but to be forced to wash feet when guests were at your home was something even Jews didn't, Jewish slaves didn't do. Now, it was an act of devotion, a wife washing her, or her husband's feet, children washing their parents' feet. That was a sign of, 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 of devotion. It was a sign of care, of, of love, of respect. But a, a, a dinner host, someone hosting a dinner, not providing someone to wash feet, was seen as, as a, a lack of hospitality. It was, a, a, it was kind of a slap in the face. So Jesus is the host. And he takes this, this thing on, drying them with the towels wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? He probably didn't say gonna. That was my southern accent, but are you going to wash my feet? Jesus, are you really you? You're Jesus. I've called you Lord. I've, I've followed you for th- three years. You've taught me. We call you rabbi. Are you going to wash my feet? I'll see where that's going. I see Y'all see Peter here? Peter's that guy, though, Peter, I, I like Peter because um, Peter has this ability to open his mouth and take off that sandal and go, ah, and take a big old bite of it, and I do the same thing. Um, I'm, I can stick my foot in my mouth, so I, I, I find hope because Peter um, was so useful by Christ. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Here comes Peter again. I'm talking about he's, he's really sticking his foot in his mouth. And, and he's become the two-year-old with Kroger feet. It's not just because he's got dirty feet, but his response there, he says, no! No! Jesus, no, you're not washing my feet! He says, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, Jesus isn't referencing a um, the the a baptismal washing. There, he's he's referencing the atoning blood of his sacrifice that was coming. He's he's referencing his crucifixion, and then he adds, "Unless I wash you, you have no part with me." Unless you allow me to do this, there's no relationship between us. There's no connection unless you let me do this. Unless you let me into your life in this way. And here's, here's Peter again. I love him. He's not getting it, but his, he doesn't get it here, but here he's got it. He says, ooh-wee, man. If you're going to do that, then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Don't just wash. If that's what it takes, if it takes you washing me, then get it all. 
Wash everything. Peter's wide open. I don't know what he would have been like as a teenager, but if I was his youth pastor, he's probably one that me and his daddy would have to talk every now and then. But I loved a dude. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only wash their feet, their whole bodies clean, and you are clean. Though not every one of you enter Judas, Peter's, and Jesus have been having this conversation, and Jesus is try as he will. Peter's not getting it. It's just, phew. Um, but, but he says, not every one of you. This is an indicator that, that Jesus knows, and that one of them has no commitment. One of them has not been converted. One of them is not a true follower. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that's why he said not everyone was clean. From this point, Jesus keeps going. He keeps teaching his followers. He, he deals with uh, predicting his betrayal. He keeps moving through what what he's trying to express to them, what he's trying to explain to them. And if we pick the story back up at verse 23, one of them, the disciple who loved Jesus, this is, this is John. He's leaning there against Jesus. He was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to the disciple and said, Ask him which one it is. So you got Peter. Emotional. Peter's notorious for carrying two swords. If we were to keep reading through this story, Jesus gets to the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas comes back, kisses him. The soldiers grab him. You know that that thing is taking place, and Peter goes. He just whips out his sword, yuck, and cuts off the soldier's ear. And Jesus says, "Stop! No, that's Peter. I'm telling you, the dude is wide open." And he, he can't help it. Jesus has said, somebody in here is going to betray me. And Jesus, oh, Peter's the leader of, the, of the, the gang. And he's going, I want to know who it is. got to deal with this. Who is it? Who is it? Leaning back against him, that's John. John leans back against Jesus. He, he asked him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread, one I have dipped it in this dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. That the dipping of bread and giving it to somebody at the, these, the, the dinner, the type of dinner that they, they were having, it was a Jewish custom that the host of the dinner party would do that. They'd, they'd have a bowl that had some oil and, and herbs and those kind of things in it, and they would dip it, and then they would hand it to the person, and it was an extension of friendship. It represented that me, I'm the host, I'm handing you this bread, I am telling you I'm your friend. 
Judas is receiving this friendship offering from Jesus. This last time that Jesus would extend grace to Judas. I am your friend. And Judas takes it and says, by his actions, I am not. I'm not committed to you. The symbolism, the irony in the symbolism that that Jesus extends friendship with the exact same action that indicates Judas's betrayal. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. That may be one of the most terrifying things I have ever read in Scripture. It's terrible. It's a terrible expression that Judas's fate at that point. Oh my. Satan entered into him. He was now the tool of Satan. Lacking commitment in Christ, he became useful for the enemy. So Jesus told him, What you are about to do, do it quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said that to him. Again, they're, they're all there. They've all been there the whole time. Jesus teaches the same way, and they're missing it. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Jesus, excuse me, as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out. And, and no one was any wiser. No one there thought anything other about it because of what they thought he was there to do. They thought he was going to get food for the festival. They thought he was going to give something to the poor. He was their treasurer. They trusted him. There was nothing going on abnormal to them. But Jesus knew. And this marked the beginning of the end for both Jesus and Judas. And then John wrote four words that are also difficult. And it was night. That and it was night. There's times used to to describe things in, in, in the Bible. Often they'll use night or day or a moon phase, a sun phase, a meal, a festival to mark time so that, that readers know when something happened. And that is, that is true. At, at, they were eating supper. They were eating dinner. It was the, the, at the end of the day. But there's symbolism in the words that John used as well because Judas was walking away from the light. He was walking away from Jesus Christ and into darkness. He was walking in cahoots with Satan, which is into the dark. He was walking into night. Chad and Maria are over here. They, they get to hear me speak on Wednesday nights. And I have this question that I like to ask as I get near the end of, of speaking. And it's, I don't mean it disrespectfully, but I go, so what? What does all of this mean? 
What does, it, what does it do for us? How do I live because of what we've read? There's two points on the screen behind me. It's that getting your act together before getting involved is not required. I want to say it again that I'm not saying that, that never getting your act together is the answer. But if you commit to Christ and engage Him authentically, He'll get your act together. He'll convict you. He'll nudge you. He'll include you in the body of Christ. You'll get carried along and, and, and taught. Your life will change. We saw Peter last week. We dealt with him a lot. And he didn't have his act together. He, he sat through this teaching of Jesus, and then Jesus immediately says, you're going to deny me three times. And there's Peter again, the two-year-old with Kroger feet. Nope, I won't do it. And over the next couple, couple of hours, what happened? But cockle-doodle-doo. Peter did it. Just, just like Jesus said he was going to do it. He missed the point over and over and over again. But... If we were to read this parallel passage in, in the Gospel of Matthew, the, the Last Supper, the, the Upper Room Discourse, if we were to read it in the Gospel of Matthew, it's Matthew chapter 26. And so if you, if you go through the chronolo, chronolo, chronology, the timeline of Matthew, um, <laughs> there I go, Peter, um, the timeline of Matthew... <clears throat> Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked the disciples a question. Who do, you, who do they say I am? Who do you say I am? Peter says, you're the Christ. And Peter says, or excuse me, Jesus says, Peter, Simon, Caiaphas, your name is Peter. I'll call you Peter. And you're the rock on which I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not stand against it. He'd already been identified. He'd already been committed Jesus had already confirmed, You're, I'm going to do huge things through you. And then right there at the end, this dude does not have his act together yet. He's still a human. But Christ has the power, the capacity, the capability to use him. And then if we contrast Judas, the being present without having your act together is entirely possible. Explain that as Judas was there the whole time. He heard Jesus say the same things that Peter heard him say, the same things that John and Andrew and the whole gang heard Jesus say. He got the same teachings. He got the same care. Jesus washed his feet. Jesus fed him at the Last Supper. But his heart was never committed. And though he was present, it didn't matter. It's entirely possible to be right next to Jesus. To kiss him on the cheek. And be a hot mess. I'll wrap this up for you guys. There's four things. 
four misconceptions that are involved in all of this. The first, don't get caught in the misconception that you have to get your act together before you commit to Jesus. It's the other way. Commit to Jesus. The act getting together part will work itself out. But you have to commit to him first. If you are committed, don't get caught in the misconception that you have to get your act together to further engage, to get engaged in your faith walk. You don't have to wait to get involved in a small group, to get involved in a Bible study, to do your own Bible study, to seek God honestly and earnestly before you get your act together. You do the latter You seek him, your act will get together. Don't get caught in the misconception that you have to get your act together before you get involved. It's the same thing. We have this, I have to get polished idea before I come to church, before I approach Christ, before I get involved in serving Christ, in serving the church. And it's not the case. The case is, if you commit to Christ... As, and, and you're a hot mess. I'm still one. Jesus can work with you. He can take the hot mess and turn it into something useful if your heart is in the right place. The last thing, don't get caught in the misconception that just because you're here, that you're in better shape than anyone else. Judas was there. They all trusted him. And he was the betrayer. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for uh, your grace, your mercy. We thank you for this story. We thank you for the message that we don't have to get caught up in the, the pressure and the inclination that we have to do something before we're good enough to approach you, before we're good enough for you to accept us, before you're good enough, before we're good enough so that you can use us. God, we just ask you to stir your spirit in us. Help us engage you. Help us commit to you. So, Lord, you can polish us. You can turn us in to what you want us to be. God, we we pray that we know you want us to be a light in our community. We know you want us to be a reflection of you around us. So God, we just pray that we do that, that we honor you, and that we follow you well. It is in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Grace Community Church, good to see you. Y'all have a great week.